It's beautiful, Christy. Thank you. Let's turn back to uh, that passage Mega read for us, James uh, chapter 5, verses 13 through 20. If you're tempted, if you're the kind of person that's tempted to figure out, try to figure out how the title of the message goes along with what's actually said, don't bother today. Uh, I was going in one direction at the beginning of the week, and I went a different direction by the end of the week. So just skip the title, the, the let us part. Uh, the first part is still good. We've, over these last few weeks, you know, we've uh, been talking about prayer. We've made some declarations about prayer. Uh, the first one was that uh, prayer is natural, native to us, and that sort of framed the rest of the, the series here. God made us to communicate with him. Prayer is natural to us. We've also said prayer is beautiful. Just the fact that our creator loves us and wants to communicate with us and us to communicate with him. It brings not only the promise for real change as we speak with him, but it also brings a deep, beautiful peace to our lives just to know that. Just to know that our God cares that much. So prayer is beautiful. We called prayer critical on the third week because it is critical for anyone who wants to please God. Because it's through communicating with him that we learn what he wants and we are able to be obedient to him. Quickly and completely obedient, we said. So prayer is really critical to living peacefully with God. Last week we said prayer is possible. It is possible for you and it's possible for me to have a substantial and effective prayer life because of God's gift of the Holy Spirit to his church. The Apostle Paul showed us in Romans 8 that one of the Holy Spirit's significant roles is to come alongside of us and help us to pray. So, prayer. Uh, communicating with God. It's natural, it's beautiful, it's critical, it's possible. And finally today, prayer is beneficial. It's beneficial. James' focus here in this passage really is about how God brings good in our lives through prayer. Uh, Whether in times of trouble, prosperity, sickness, or sin, James says here, Christ's followers should face Every circumstance of life, first, with an awareness of God's presence, that God is here, and then second, with the assurance that God can do something positive in that situation through prayer. Prayer activates the presence of the Lord by consciously seeking his involvement in our lives. God has a word God has something he'd like to do in every happening of life. If only we would appeal to him through prayer. And frankly, according to James, prayer should really be the first thing that we do. You know, why is it that when we are faced with a problem, why do we so often resort to prayer only after we've tried other things first? After we've exhausted our own resources. I think it's because that in practice, people really tend to live by the totally unscriptural creed, God helps those who help themselves. That is not a part of the Bible. 
Why do we do that? When right here in verse 13, we have the invitation. Is anyone in trouble? Let them pray. Let them pray. God, through prayer, can and will help us in all sorts of trouble. In that same verse, James also says that in good days, we should acknowledge God in our happiness through song, which really is just prayer set to music. Has God done good things for you? Then you have a song to sing. You have a prayer to sing. So sing your prayer. In the next verse, verse 14, James says that God can make the sick well through prayer. We've seen that happen over and over again, haven't we? Uh, Praying for the sick is part of the work of the church. It's part of the the work of the family of faith. You know, God God cares about people suffering. Uh, It grieves God that we have to bear the consequences of humanity's sin in our bodies. He doesn't like that. It grieves him that we do. So he welcomes prayer for health and for restoration as he works to give us his best. He welcomes us to pray for each other. James says, too, that prayer is the means of forgiveness for sin. And that's what repentance is. Repentance is prayer telling God that we realize that we have messed up and that we are sorry for the ways that we have disappointed him the ways that we have worked against him. So you see, all of these benefits, help, health, forgiveness, right relationship with God, peaceful relationship with God, all that is accessible to you and to me through prayer. James tells us that. So what's the catch? What's the catch? We are so jaded by our culture that we think there has got to be a catch. Because we presume that nobody, not even God, really gives stuff away for free. There has to be a catch. Well, there is a catch. And you see it at the end of verse 16. The prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. And we say, oh, there it is. There's the catch. All these things are accessible to the righteous. But who are the righteous? And in our minds... Uh, We begin to think of names, people through the past, names that are the righteous. We think of them as an elite group. We think of Abraham and King David and the prophet Isaiah. And we think of Esther and we think of Ruth and we think of Mary, you know, Jesus' mother. Jesus, certainly. Uh, And then the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter. And we think those are the righteous people. They almost seem supernatural. With the faith and a power that seems inaccessible to you and to me. That's the way we tend to think. But look, look, it's almost as if James knew we would think that. And he quickly writes to refute it. He says there in verse 17, take Elijah, for example. And we think, oh yeah, you know, Elijah, he ought to be in that list too. He's up there with Abraham and Mary and all the others. But wait, He says, there's more. James goes on. Take Elijah. Elijah was a man just like us. Just like us. James wants us to understand, you see, that Elijah and others like him, those that we tend to think of as as super people, you know, James says he's really just like us. He's a normal guy. Uh, Elijah and others like him had no more capacity for effective prayer 
than you or I potentially do. You believe that? Really, do you believe that? It's true. James is declaring it right here. We have the same capacity for prayer, the same potential for effective prayer as Elijah, James says. So what did Elijah do? James says, Elijah prayed that it would not rain. That's a pretty audacious prayer. Isn't it? It's it's audacious in part because it's so public. You know, uh, everybody knows whether or not God answered that prayer. Whether it rained or not. Elijah prayed... James says that it would not rain. And what happened? Verse 17 says, it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Three and a half years. God suspended the laws of nature through the prayers of this man. Twice, actually, because then we read again, he prayed later on there, and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crops. Now that's powerful prayer. That is powerful prayer. And James figured that people would tend to idolize somebody who prays like that. In this case, Elijah. And that's why he's so quick to point out that Elijah's power in prayer was a righteousness that we could share. He's just like us. He's no different than us. Our prayers can be like Elijah's prayers and with even greater results. Jesus said, you know, you who come after me, you who remain, you will do greater things than what even I do. Much less what Elijah did. How? Jesus said, because I'm sending the Holy Spirit to you. Because of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So can you imagine that? Can you imagine that your prayers and my prayers can be as effective or more effective than Elijah's. Is there, is there space in there to comprehend that? <laughs> Will you believe it? Seeing as how God says it. Will you believe it? And will you seriously begin to pray? For your own benefit. And also for the benefit of your family and for the benefit of our church and for the benefit of our world. Will you begin to see the possibilities that James talks about here? And begin to activate the presence of the Lord by consciously seeking his involvement in your life. That's the question before us today, really. A couple years ago, I read a book on the life of Francis Asbury, the Methodist bishop, you know. He was uh, called God's apostle to the American frontier, and that, that is no exaggeration. Uh, if you're not familiar with Asbury, even though you ought to be, if you live in Wilmore, at least somewhat familiar with Asbury. Um, Asbury um, left his parents in England, gave up essentially ever seeing them again. He also gave up his one true love and along with her any prospect of marriage and family. And he left England and he he left every comfort of England and he came to preach Christ to the colonists who were settling in the United States. For 45 years, he traveled by horseback. He rode over 130,000 miles on horseback, 
preaching often three or four times a day. Uh, He slept outside more often than he slept inside. He was attacked by enemies. He was attacked by disease. He was attacked by all sorts of wild animals, including fleas. (laughs) Many of the English that lived in America, didn't like Asbury because he sided with the colonists in their fight for independence. Many of the colonists didn't like Asbury because he remained a British citizen. And so as I read about his life, I remember the thoughts that came to me. First, it occurred to me that people with this kind of commitment and dedication are why we exist as Methodists today. That is our heritage. That is, if you're free Methodist, if you're Methodist in any sense, that is part of your heritage. Uh, A person like Asbury, with this kind of drive to win people to Christ, to help people to live holy lives, this is why the fire of Methodism spread over our country and brought revival and built churches and schools and hospitals, like I said, and Christian environments. There are Christian environments in cities and towns today primarily because of Francis Asbury and what he did and what he started, what God did through him. A huge part of the Christian heritage of our nation traces its roots to Francis Asbury. I will also admit that as I sat in my comfortable chair in my air-conditioned house and read about Asbury hiding from murderers for three days in a swamp, all for the sake of preaching the gospel. I was not a little convicted. Uh, What have I given up for the sake of the gospel? That is a question we all have to answer with God being our confidant. What have I given up? What have you given up for the sake of the gospel? But I'll tell you, the thing that really struck me was the fact that Francis Asbury was a real person. He's just like you and me. Reading about him, reading about the things he did, you start to think he was like the superhuman, you know, ripped off his coat and there was an S or an A on his chest. Um, but, But then, you know, then you read about how he was sick a lot. And that, and that the flea bites made him itch, you know, uh, just like they would make us itch. And you read about how he got discouraged sometimes and how at times he was afraid and how he even battled depression from time to time. Francis Asbury, like Elijah, was a real person. He was useful to God. Like Elijah, he prayed prayers of faith that were powerful and effective and things happened. When he prayed, things that have proven beneficial to us, even all of these years later. Because Elijah's God is our God, and Francis Asbury's God is our God. Our God hasn't changed through the years, and and, and he still holds out his hand to those who will take it. To those who will trust him, grab onto his hand. He hears their prayers in trouble, in joy, in sickness, and in sin. And that God stands ready to respond with a more beneficial answer that we can ask or think. You see, the strength of Elijah and the strength of Asbury, it wasn't in their cleverness or in their insight or in their intelligence. Their strength 
was that they knew who to turn to in their weakness. And they turned to him and they prayed and God answered for their good and for the good of those around them and for his glory to shine through them as it certainly did. So I ask you again, do you pray? I've asked that question just about every week. Do you pray? I think that's the answer, the question God wants asked. Do you pray for your benefit, for the benefit of your family, for the benefit of your church, for the benefit of your world? Do you regularly, intentionally, thoughtfully, carefully activate the presence of the Lord by consciously seeking his involvement in your life? Do you pray? Prayer is native to us. We were born with a desire to pray, but being a person of prayer is a decision of the will. It's a decision of the will. It takes discipline to decide to consciously involve God in our lives. If we never develop that discipline, prayer will always tend to be self-centered and sporadic. It will always be the, oh God, save me. And then just go on and forget about him. For the rest of the day. But if we will discipline this native thing living within us, our world could be a different place. It could be a different place. Francis Asbury got up at four o'clock every morning so he could spend two hours with the Lord. He wasn't superhuman, he was just a person like Elijah. And like you and me, who knew the difference that God could make if he would simply pray. Now, please understand that I'm not trying to guilt or shame anyone here into anything. Okay? I'm not suggesting two hours a day is some sort of gold standard. I'm not suggesting that four o'clock in the morning is a necessity for anybody. All I'm saying is... God wants us all to know him more intimately than we do at this moment. I know that for a fact. And I believe he's calling all of us to some greater place, some greater commitment with regard to prayer. Because he's always moving us forward. He's always drawing us closer. I don't know what that is for you. I have no way of knowing what that really is for you. All I can do is ask you, will you do as he says? Will you listen for what he is calling you to do? And will you do as he says? Will you hear his spirit drawing you to himself? And will you follow? Will you do what he's asking of you with regard to prayer? I I mentioned at the beginning of this series how years ago, a decade or more, Uh, Doug Newton came and he spoke here on prayer and he asked two questions. The first was, do you feel in your heart that your prayer life is not really all God wants it to be? And then he asked, if so, what are you going to do to change that? What is your plan to give prayer the place you know it ought to have? That you know God wants it to have. In your life, what are you going to do to give it that place? Every Sunday over the next few weeks, we're going to offer a a practical way 
uh, a practical resource to expand the practice of prayer in our lives. I do not mean that we all should do them all. Okay? No. None of them will be for every one of us necessarily. But I would think surely there will be something suggested over the next few weeks that would speak to each one of us. That would be my hope anyway. And we're going to begin this morning with that yellow page that's in your worship folder. Uh, Would you take that out and just take a look at that? Now, if you've been here for more than a year, you've seen something like this before. Uh, We highlight this list of opportunities for church-wide prayer about this time every year because we want everybody to know about these things. We think it's that important. Uh, And for some of them, we need to know your interest so that we can include you. It's just simply logistical. Uh, If you look at that yellow paper, you'll see the big section in the middle starts a third of the way down that says, I'd like more information or to join. Those are a variety of church prayer groups that you're welcome to be a part of. Uh, There's a group for men, there's a group for women, there's a group for teens, um, and then there's some for specific purposes. Uh, You can just show up at the time and place that's listed there if you like. It says a couple of them, one meets at the Dargan home, the rest of them are at the church, one meets at the Roxbury home. The good thing is uh, there's only one Roxbury family and one Dargan family in the church. So you can look at the directory and be pretty confident that's where you go, okay? You can look up their address there. Uh, you, you just have to show up. If you want more information about them, though, before you just show up, just put a mark there. There's pens all through the seats. You can just check the one you want more information about, okay? And we'll get that to you. It's really the top part that we need to hear from you. That first thing, we want every person and every family in our church to be prayed for regularly. So if you would be willing to pray for a group of five or so people uh, or families in our church, it comes right out of the new directory. Would you mark that line? Just put a check there and we'll get that page to you. That's, that's, that's all there is to it. The next two there, we ask you to tell us of your willingness to pray for a teen or an adult, either in our youth ministry or on the Bible quiz team. They want people to pray for them. So if you're willing to pray for one, either a teen or an adult, you can mark one or both of those and we'll get that name to you so that you can pray specifically for that person and you can even get to know that person and ask them what they need prayer for. The next one there, prayer news and notes, that's the email that comes from the church office. Most weekdays, it has urgent prayer requests, and it also has reminders of events that affect the vast majority of our church. So if you're not on that and you'd like to be, check that, and we'll put you on there. We need to know uh, your email, too. But um... And then the last one there is about receiving the praises and prayer needs that are shared every Wednesday night at the Wednesday night prayer meeting. That is Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. It'd be great if you could come on Wednesday nights. It'd be great if there were so many people there on Wednesday nights that we could move out of B200 and into the sanctuary. But if you can't come, uh, but yet you're willing to share in the praises and the needs, check that. And the office will send you that. They'll even mail it to you if you'd rather not get it in email. They will email to you every Friday. These are all ways simply to expand our practice of prayer and to engage with the Lord about our church family. So, so. Please take that, mark it, if, if, the different things uh, you want, whether you, things you already do maybe or things that you uh, feel the Lord is asking you to do. And put that in the, off, fold it, you know, and put it in the offering boxes as you leave today. That would be super helpful. And then, like I said, every Sunday for the next few weeks, we're going to offer 
different resources to help enrich and expand our prayer lives. This is coming next week. This is coming the week after. And then there's this that comes to begin our um, mission week for prayer. Again, not all of these will be for every one of us. But I would ask you to ask the Lord. Lord, how would you like me more substantially involved in praying? Uh, We just want to give all the resources and opportunity we can to, to make this church our church family, a house of prayer, but also to make this house, all of our houses individually, houses of a vibrant, real, effective prayer. So my role is to ask you this morning again, what is God saying to you about expanding, deepening, broadening your prayer life? What is he asking of you? Uh, Don't listen to me necessarily. But please listen to him. Please listen to him. He has somewhere that he wants to take each one of us in our lives of prayer. And we don't want to miss where he wants us to go. You don't want to miss where he wants you to go. Father, we know it's true, just like James says here. We know that all around us and all around our world, there are people who are experiencing your blessings. They're, they're happy and they're fulfilled, and, and we should praise you and thank you for those. You also tell us, and we know very well, that all around us and all around our world, there are people in trouble. You, you tell us that there are people who are sick, and we know that. There's people in need, there's people who are lost, there's people that don't know you. And you tell us, among other things, that we need to pray for these, to talk to you. About it all. So, Lord, help us to be faithful to do that. Help us willingly give whatever it takes to go where you want us to go in prayer so that we might know you and your will, so we might walk as closely with you as we can, and so that our prayers, like the prayers of Elisha, will be powerful and effective because the righteousness of Christ dwells deeply within us because we walk just that closely with you. Lord, make it be so, we pray in your name. Amen.